0: This is MMA Torch editor Jamie Pennick, and this is the Torch Audio News Brief for Monday, May seventeenth, two 2010. Not a whole lot going on today, just uh, some follow-up from our uh, two-hour live cast yesterday. Uh, We discussed uh, uh, at length the Alistair Overeem-Fedor Emelianenko situation that Strikeforce could find themselves in after uh, Fedor's fight with Fabricio Verdum on June 26th, and uh, one of the things that we talked about mostly was M1 Global and the fact that they could very well make things difficult for that fight to, to take place. But for their part, they came out um, yesterday afternoon after uh, our show and, and said um, Fedor is open to that fight. If Overeem is presented by the Strikeforce matchmakers as his next opponent, that's who he is going to fight, um, according to them. Um, M1 Global uh, executive uh Evgeny Kogan is the one that uh, was quoted with MMAJunkie.com, and he said, uh, you know, I thought Overeem won in very impressive fashion. We respect Alistair as an opponent and think that this would be a great potential matchup. So um, the fact that this fight has not been able to be put together in the past uh, may not necessarily mean it's not going to be able to to be put together here this fall. Um, Hopefully it is put together because it's a fight that everyone's going to want to see if uh, Fedor gets past Verdum in June, uh, because that's the only fight that makes sense for either of those fighters. Uh, at, the, at the same time, it could set them up with an interesting situation if they don't have uh, some, tor- some type of contract extension uh, in the works for Fedor. Because if he comes in and beats uh, Fabri- or beats Fabrizio Verdum and then goes on and beats Alistair Overeem and becomes the strike force Heavyweight Champion without a contract extension... Uh, they could be in another situation where either M1 holds Fedor out for a long period of time again, or they just uh, up and leave Strike Force and negotiate elsewhere, whether they re enter negotiations with the UFC at that point or bring Fedor back over to Japan. Uh, you know, obviously that would remain to be seen at that point, and uh, it's, it's just more speculation at this point, but I, I'm sure we could get some hang-ups on the contract extension end before this fight actually takes place, but it's it's all sides seem to be, uh, you know, up for this fight and seem to be heading in that direction if Fedor picks up a a victory on June 26th, so hopefully that's what's going to take place, because it's the fight that people want to see, and it's the fight that really should have been set up uh, uh, a lot earlier, but... Hopefully it comes to pass before the end of the year. Uh, another fight Strikeforce could be working on uh, in the near future is the uh, possible lightweight super fight between Strikeforce lightweight champion Gilbert Melendez and Bellator lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez. Um, after Melendez called out Eddie Alvarez on HDNet last Friday, uh, Bjorn Rebny um, and Eddie Alvarez made comments saying that all right, let's go. Balls and Strike Forces Court. Let's put this fight together. Let's uh, let's make this fight happen. Uh, Scott Coker came out today and uh, was quoted in MMA Junkie saying, In stars align and we can work out all the terms and conditions and timing. We do it. Of course we would. Why wouldn't we? Let's let's go do this. So it's just a matter of the logistics of it. Which organizations the fight the fight is going to be in? Is it for both belts? Is it just for the belt of uh, Whatever organization is hosting the event, um, they've got to figure out all of the logistics of the situation uh, and they've got to get the timing down to make the fight work in either Bellator or Strike Force. I would expect this fight to take place in Strike Force just because they are considered the number two organization at this point. Bellator is down on the rung. Um, and if, uh, really, it, it's a matter of. Eddie Alvarez and Bellator having a lot more to gain than Strikeforce does at this point um, with this fight just because of uh, the exposure that Gilbert Melendez has had. And if Eddie Alvarez comes in, he may be more inclined to stick with Bellator than you know completely go over to Strikeforce. But at the same uh, point, Scott Coker has talked about co-promotion constantly and talked about the benefits that he feels that it's bringing with the... Uh, and uh, M1 Global, so we'll see what goes on uh, with uh, with that fight, but that's another one that a lot of fans are going to want to see. It's, uh, I mean, Melendez and Alvarez are probably 4-5 and five on most rankings. Um, Melendez may have jumped up a little farther. Alvarez got pushed down a bit by uh, the victories by Frankie Edgar and Gilbert Melendez over BJ Penn and Shinya Aoki, respectively, but uh, I think they're still... Um, 4 and 5 on my rankings, I'd have it uh, Edgar, Penn, Florian uh, Melendez, Alvarez and so having 4 and 5 the only 2 top 5 lightweights not in the UFC facing off um, it would be a huge matchup and a fight that a lot of people would want to see I think it's one that uh, will hopefully come to pass um, some more force news Uh, Strikeforce is reportedly making preparations for the departure of Jake Shields. Um, It's not a for sure yet because he's still in contract. He's in a time of uh, exclusive negotiations with Strikeforce right now to sign him to a new deal after his victory over Dan Henderson. Um, As that was the last fight on his deal, his contract is set to expire, I believe in the next uh, 30 to 40 days, something like that. And, Everyone is expecting him to go to UFC. He appeared on the WEC show with Dana White's arm around him at cage side, with Dana mouthing the words, uh, he's mine. Um, all signs are pointing to Jake Shields leaving Strike Force. They are preparing for it, which is to their credit, and they are uh, setting up a, an unofficial tournament of sorts featuring um, a number of their middleweight fighters, Robbie Lawler, uh, Jacare Souza, who just picked up a victory, Dan Henderson, Jason Miller, Tim Kennedy, and Luke Rockhold. Those are all names uh, kind of in the mix right now, floated around. Robbie Lawler's getting back into action uh, next month, as is Tim Kennedy. So, um, you know, a a couple of fights here and there for the rest of the the summer into the the fall and the winter could set up the next uh, middleweight champion by November or December. Uh, I think Strikeforce might be hoping for, you know, one more fight with uh, Dan Henderson, get him uh, a, a, another victory to rebound from the Jake Shields fight, and then plug him into a title shot against uh, whomever emerges as the next guy. Uh, I, I think if Robbie Lawler gets past uh, Babalu and he's sticking with strike force for a while and, and continues to fight for them instead of looking to jump ship himself, Uh, I think a great fight for the fall would be uh, Draney against Robbie Lawler. I think that would set up a clear um, number one contender or at least uh, title fight worthy fight. Uh, And and then, you know, you can put Dan Henderson against, uh, put Dan Henderson against Jason Miller. Um, That might be not the most exciting of fights, but uh, it it would be maybe the next best test for Dan Henderson right now. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Dan Henderson against Jacare, but I kind of want to see that as the title fight in November or December. And I think you'd need—I think Henderson needs another victory before you get to that fight. So we'll see what they pull off for it. But it's kind of a, a weeding out process at this point for the rest of the year um, until they get to a spot to crown a, a champion for the vacant belt because Jake Shields will—it's you know, probably ninety to ninety-five percent certainty that Jake Shields. Leave strike force at this point. Final thing I want to talk about today. There's uh, um, in, uh, a GIF image going around about uh, the Josh Koscheck-Paul Daly fight at UFC 113, showing um, uh, the sequence with the illegal knee from the first round of their fight. Koscheck, his head rocks back as uh, uh, he goes into Daly right before... the the big left knee that completely misses him, is thrown, and it looks um, from a side angle as if his head is ramming into the knee of uh, Paul Daly. And there's another um, angle of it that looks like it might be into his midsection. Uh, It's possibly running into his knee, but the right knee isn't actually, I don't think, thrown up by Paul Daly. But uh, the, the fact of the matter in this one is, Kostrick's head hit something at that spot, and that's what he was reacting to. Uh, he felt it was the knee, um, and that's what he's reacting to. It wasn't the, the phantom knee that missed. So, uh, you know, I was as hard on him as any uh, after that fight in talking about how uh, he was overacting, and it was uh, an embarrassing display. But seeing that he actually did have his head rocked back by something, he could have taken that as a, a knee because it looked like it's possible that his face could have just rammed into the knee of uh, Paul Daly at that point, but Daly, I don't think, threw that right knee. The left knee is the one that he threw, though, and he did throw it with bad intentions, and Kostrek was clearly on the ground. Um, I, I think by virtue of the fact that he threw an illegal knee uh, and he knew Kostrek was on the ground, it, you know, he still isn't absolved from any of... Uh, what he did in that fight, I think, uh, we can go a little easier on Josh Kostrick for his reaction to the knee because he did get jarred by something with his knees on the ground. And it, it it wasn't Daly's hands. It wasn't, uh, um, you know, a a legal fist blow that it looked like. It looked more like, uh, it, it looked more like he ran into the knee, possibly ran into the hip, possibly the midsection, something jarred his head back. And, uh, you know, that's what he was reacting to, so uh, I'm, I'm apt to go a little more easy on Josh Kostrick at this point. He still milked it for what it was worth at that point, but um, at the same time, you just you can't um, lessen uh, Paul Daly's uh, responsibility in this matter because not only did he throw that left knee with bad intentions uh, with kostrek's knees on the ground, he also... Uh, gouged him in the eye in the third round as the fight was wearing down and then pulled off the sucker punch at the at the end of the fight so um, it, it's still a situation where he was in the wrong regardless of uh, your thoughts on Josh kostrick but I'm apt to, to give korick the benefit of the doubt a little more after uh, um, completely decrying his his acting actions at the end of that or at the beginning of that fight in that first round so um, the, the second look that came out today, I, I don't think that Daly threw the right knee, but Kostrek still did run into something, and he was clearly reacting to getting hit in the face with his knees on the ground, and it wasn't by a punch. So I can see a more it's more reasonable the way that he reacted to that, and I, I think part of the reason the left knee did miss is Kostrek was turning to react and to um, try to get the attention of Dan Mirgliata at that point. But... Um, it is what it is. It's done. It's over with. Paul Daly's out of the UFC, and he's never coming back. Uh, and Josh Koscheck now is, is set up for the biggest fight of his life, and a fight that every single MMA fan watching is going to want to see him get beat in, uh, St. George St. Pierre in December. So that's uh, something to look forward to after the end of The Ultimate Fighter 12, and uh, that'll come in the fall. So that's all I've got for today. Thanks for listening, and this is Jamie Pennick signing off.